reading with you the prophecies of Ezekiel chapter 37 and the first 14 verses. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied. As I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above but there was no breath in them then said he unto me prophesy unto the wind prophesy son of man and say to the wind thus saith the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you 
to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and ye shall live and I shall place you in your own land then shall ye know that I the Lord have spoken it and performed it saith the Lord Well, hello everyone. Thanks, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, in our session, we're going to be thinking about the land of Israel. It's a relatively small country. It's about the size of Wales in the United Kingdom. Yet it's one of the most controversial countries on the planet. It's the source of many wars and rivalries and many politicians around the world have strived unsuccessfully to create conditions of peace. Now, the Bible makes it clear that this land is God's chosen land and God has chosen this land for his people. And we're going to see in our session why it's God's chosen land. But the Bible also tells us that this place would be a cause of controversy. He's speaking of the capital of Israel, which we know is uh, Jerusalem. The prophet Zechariah says... And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people, all that burden themselves with it. And this verse is, is very true today. Jerusalem and the land of Israel is a burden to those who get involved with it, even though it's a land with a very special promise. So let's go back to the beginning and think about why this land of Israel, why it's so special, why has God chosen it? Now, to answer um, that question, we need to go back to the beginning. We need to go back to the book of Genesis, and we need to have a think about the man Abraham. Now, Abraham was a, a fantastic character. He had a particularly remarkable characteristic in that he was very faithful to God. So if God told Abraham something would happen, or Abraham was told to do something by God, Abraham believed in God, he had faith that what God had said he would perform. Now, originally, Abraham lived in Ur of the Chaldees. It's modern-day Iraq, and uh, it's, the, uh, it's the start of the, of the arrow uh, that you see on the screen. And God told him to leave that place and to go to a land that God would show him. And he went on a journey, roughly following the line of, of that arrow, and he came to what we know today as the land of Israel, and it was in this land that God made Abraham some very special promises. And we need to have a look at those. So if you've got a Bible, uh, please open your Bibles to the book of Genesis and the 12th chapter. And we're going to read the first uh, few verses there. So Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, where it says, Now God, now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy, father, thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. Note verse 2. And I'll make of thee a great nation, and I'll bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families 
of the earth be blessed. So Abraham was told that his name would be great. And we're still talking about Abraham thousands of years uh, later and that his descendants would be made into a great nation. And Abraham's descendants through his son Isaac are the people of the Jews today. But also I want you to note that there's a blessing to everyone that from Abraham, all nations of the world would be blessed. And we'll come back to that uh, later on. Now, we also find that Abraham was promised a land. If you just come over a page to Genesis chapter 13, and if we read verse 14, it says, And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed for ever. So Abraham was in the land of Israel. He was told to look north. Northward, southward, eastward and westward. And, and later in the book of Genesis, we're given some more specific details of the extent of this land. In Genesis chapter 15, it says that the land was from the river of Egypt and to the great river, uh, the river Euphrates. Now, there's some debate as to uh, the river of Egypt. Was it the, uh, the Nile or was it the Wadi of Egypt in the Sinai uh, Peninsula? We don't need to get into the detail of that now. Uh, but up in the north, up to the river Euphrates. So it's a much greater extent of land than Israel has today. And nevertheless, it was promised to Abraham and to his seed, to his descendants. Because in the, the life of Abraham, he never inherited the land. He had to buy a piece of that land to bury his wife Sarah after uh, she died. So this is a promise very much to his descendants. So let's think just briefly about Abraham's descendants. We know that Abraham had a, a son, Isaac, and then Isaac uh, had a son, Jacob. And you remember Jacob had 12 sons, and one of those was Joseph. And it was Joseph that took the family down into Egypt. And it was in Egypt that that family grew, multiplied, uh, became many, many people. And after a few hundred years, it was Moses that then brought them out of Egypt to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And at the end of 40 years, they entered back into this land. They came back into the land of Israel under the hand of Joshua. And Israel at that time, of the land, and they became the rulers of uh, the land. And then in the Bible, we have the period of the judges. At the end of the period of the judges, the people wanted a king, to reign over them. They chose King Saul, uh, but that was not the true king. God had selected somebody else, and that was David. So David was to be their king. So we, we've jumped over a huge amount of, of history there, um, but David, like Abraham, was given specific promises. Come with me, please, to 2 Samuel chapter 7, because these are relevant in relation to the land. Second Samuel chapter 7, and it's in the context that David wanted to build God uh, a temple, wanted to build God a house, and David was told that he wouldn't build the house, but his son Solomon uh, would build God's house. But I want you to note verse 10 of Second Samuel chapter 7, where it says, Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own 
and move no more, neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. So what was this place that God promised to David? Well, it's the place of Israel. It's the same land that God had promised to Abraham. In fact, in the Psalms and elsewhere in Scripture, this place is very specifically defined. Uh, Psalm 132 verse 13 says, For the Lord hath chosen Zion, he hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. So the place that God has chosen is Mount Zion. And, and Mount Zion is Jerusalem. And this is the place, the very specific place, where the temple was uh, built by Solomon. And it's the place that's still very significant today. It's the place of the Wailing Wall, where the Jews go to pray. It's roughly the place of the Alaska Mosque and the Dome of the Rock, uh, located there, in fact. In fact, I'd suggest that this place is still the most important location on this planet. And it's in this place that links what David's being promised here back to Abraham. You'll see, remember with Abraham that it was the mountain of Moriah, which is the same place that we're talking about here, that Abraham showed his utmost faith in God by going to offer his son Isaac as a, as a sacrifice to God. And you remember that the angel stopped him. But it was a demonstration of Abraham's great faith. And so this is why God chose this place, this place where great faith was demonstrated and where God had chosen for a place for him to dwell, for the temple to be located. So having identified this place, we find that to David, we've given uh, further promises as well. If we come down to verse 12 of 2 Samuel 7, it says, Place be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever i will be his father he will be my son if he commit iniquity i will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men but my mercy shall not depart away from him as i took it from saul whom i put before thee and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee thy throne shall be established forever and i want you to see the emphasis here in these verses that to the descendants of david there would be a kingdom that would be established forever. And it says specifically that, that God would be his father. Now, those verses are very, very significant. And again, we'll come back to them uh, in a few moments. So these promises that we've just seen, first that God made to Abraham, and then secondly to David, they're very, very important. And the reason why they're important is that God never forgets his promises. He always fulfills his promises. Now, if you're, you're like me, you'll, you'll enjoy uh, a challenge. And uh, God, in connection with these promises, has set us uh, a challenge. Uh, and the challenge is contained in the prophecy of Jeremiah. If we come over to uh, the book of Jeremiah and, and the 33rd chapter we'll see the the first of these uh, challenges 
Uh, verse 20 of Jeremiah 33, it says, Thus saith the Lord, if you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, and that there should not be day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David, my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne and with the Levites, the priests. So what this challenge is, he's saying that if he can stop the sun rising in the morning and it turning to night in the evening, then I'll break my covenant, my promise that I made with David. Now, what we're really being challenged to do here is to stop the earth spinning on its axis. And it's impossible. We, we can't uh, do that. Then I want you to note verse 22. It says, As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the seed of David my servant and the Levites that minister unto me. So there's a second challenge here around counting the host of heaven, counting the star of heaven. So let, let's expand on that a bit and let's look at challenge number two. Just come back a couple of chapters in the prophecy of Jeremiah to Jeremiah chapter 31 and uh, this time verse 37 where God says, Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. So can we count the stars? Can we measure the heavens, the, the universe? Well, to the naked eye, if we look out on a starry night, it might be possible if we were located in the Middle East to see around 10,000 stars. But there are, of course, far, far many more stars than that and it's only been relatively recently that astronomers looking through their powerful telescopes have estimated that the number of stars in our galaxy the milky way alone is between 200 and 400 billion stars and the amazing thing is is that there are at least 400 billion galaxies some with more stars than our milky way some with less so the total number of stars is guesstimated at a number something like this, one quadrillion stars. So that's one with 24 zeros after it. And we're nowhere near close of getting that number with any sort of precision. So we cannot count the stars in the heavens. And so because of that, God says that he will keep his promise to David. So God keeps his promises you might say well all that's fine but israel in their history that they were thrown out of the land of of israel and, and that's absolutely true if you come with me please to the prophecy of micah and uh, the third chapter um, we'll see quite a remarkable prophecy uh, around this micah is one of those slightly tricky books uh, to find it's after uh, the book of Jonah. Uh, so Micah chapter 3 and verse 9 says, Hear this, I pray ye heads of a house of Jacob and princes of the house of Israel, that abhor judgment and pervert all equity. They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge for reward and the priests thereof teach for hire and the prophets thereof divine for money. So unlike Abraham, who was very faithful to God, in their history, Israel as a nation was often not faithful they turned away from God's ways and, and there's a, a good description here of that turning away there that we've just read in verse 9 and 10 and as a result of that they were punished 
Now look what God said would happen to them because of this turning away from him. Look at verse 12. He says, therefore shall Zion for your sake be ploughed as a field and Jerusalem shall become heaps and the mountain of the house of the high places of the forest. Now this is a most remarkable prophecy. The place that God had chosen, the location of the temple, that God is saying that it would be ploughed like a field. The capital city of Jerusalem and specifically Zion. It's like saying that Trafalgar Square in London or Times Square in New York would be ploughed like a field. Now, did this prophecy come true? Well, we find in their history that Jerusalem uh, was destroyed a number of times. Uh, Firstly, the Babylonians uh, came down. And then about 800 years after Micah's prophecy, in AD 70, the Roman armies came down, they seized uh, Jerusalem, Uh, they took the land of of Israel. Um, It was a a terrible uh, battle that that took place. Much of the city was burned and the Jews were taken off into captivity. And this on the screen before you, you'll see uh, the archway in Rome, which is called the Titus Arch, which is the general that helped in the attack of Jerusalem. And the relief um, that we've highlighted Uh, shows the articles from the temple, the seven-branch candlestick, and others of the Jews being taken off into captivity. So Jerusalem was destroyed. But the detail of uh, Micah's prophecy happened a little while later. You see, in AD 135, there were still a few Jews left in uh, Jerusalem, and they revolted against uh, the Romans, and that revolt was quashed and it was a man called Emperor Hadrian uh, who was involved with that and uh, he renamed uh, Jerusalem Alia Capitolina and uh, to commemorate his renaming of of Jerusalem he had a plough driven across the Temple Mount which is Mount Zion to signify the building of a new city and and those coins uh, that's ones with Emperor Hadrian's uh, head and then um, some some uh, ploughs being uh, taken across uh, the city commemorating this event. And that's really quite amazing, isn't it, to think the detail that Micah's prophecy was fulfilled all those years after God said it. But it does leave us scratching our heads, thinking... Is God's promise concerning the place of Israel and specifically Jerusalem and Mount Zion to be fulfilled? Well, let's just think about some words of the Lord Jesus Christ just for a moment in Luke chapter 21. Because Jesus said concerning uh, Jerusalem and the Jews, he said, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And and Jesus was predicting the events of AD 70 that we've just seen. But he also gives us a hint that that situation wouldn't last forever. You see, Jerusalem will be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. In other words, there'd be a time when Gentiles wouldn't occupy Jerusalem and that Jerusalem would be back in the hands of the Jews. 
Now we find in history that that took a very long time. In fact, in fact, it took nearly 1900 years. And, and during that time, the Jews would not be in the land of Israel. But remarkably, they, they kept themselves a distinct nation on the earth. And I would suggest one of the only peoples to have done that for such a long period of time. But then you'll know that in 1948, after the terrible events of the Holocaust and the Second World War and what Hitler and the Nazis, etc., did to the Jews, the state of Israel was once more born again. And the Jews returned back to the land. And then after that, in 1967, they took the city of Jerusalem. And very recently, uh, just in the last uh, 18 months or so, the president of America, Donald Trump, has recognized Jerusalem as the capital city of the Jews. Now, now this is a, a remarkable turnaround that Jerusalem is now back in Jewish hands. This turnaround, something that was predicted in great detail in the Bible. Let's go to um, another prophecy, this time um, the prophet Ezekiel and the 37 chapter. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 37, the prophet sees a vision of a valley full of dry bones. Uh, let's read it. Um, verse one, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. And if you uh, read the uh, this opening verses, you'll see it's very descriptive of, of, of death. It's these bones were dry, that all hope had gone from them. So what do these bones represent? Well, we're told very clearly in verse 11, then he said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost and we are cut off for our parts. And that's very descriptive of what the Jews were like without their land. When they were scattered throughout the world after AD 70, they didn't have a home. As a nation, it was as if they were dead. And if you've seen the horrendous photos that were taken of the Holocaust and some of the survivors out of the Holocaust, they were, they were literally like skeletons of all the terrible things that happened to them at the hand of the Nazis. This prophecy poses a question. Look at verse three. And he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And, and the answer is given uh, to the prophet in verse four. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I'll cause breath to enter you and ye shall live. And then we've got a description of these bones coming to life again and the flesh and the sinews forming on these skeletons and what's the, the purpose of this living of the bones again well if we come down um, to verse uh, 12 therefore prophesy and say unto them thus saith the Lord God behold O my people I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves and will bring you into the land of Israel and ye shall know that I am the Lord when I've opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and to put my spirit in you. So this prophecy 
accurately predicted the return of the Jews back to the land. And, and over thousands of years, this has finally come true. And so in our lifetime, we see Israel now at a place of prosperity. We can think of Jerusalem, Israel's capital. We can see the Wailing Wall. We can see the, the Dome of the Rock and the Alaska Mosque. This is the place that God promised to David, the place where God would choose. And Israel is now a wealthy and an innovative state. It's got a powerful defence force. Um, the photo on the right is uh, a building in, in Tel Aviv. Um, Israel is a, is a prosperous nation today. She's a living and an alive nation. But having said that, Israel is still a burdensome stone for all peoples of the earth. It's still a place of conflict and, and difficulty. So, so why is that? Why is it still this place of conflict and, and difficulty? Well, perhaps part of the answer to that is in verse 14 of this chapter, where it says, And shall uh, put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken and performed it, saith the Lord. So God has put Israel in their land, in the land of Israel, but it was so that the Jews would know God. And sadly, many Jews haven't truly come to know the living God, and they certainly accepted God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So are we, have we seen uh, God's final plan with this place and with this people? Well, I suggest we haven't yet. There are still things that are to be fulfilled. Just come back a few chapters in Ezekiel to Ezekiel chapter 21, because this is a, a prophecy about the last king of Israel, who's a very wicked man called um, Zedekiah, and uh, he's referred to in verse 25 as a wicked prince. And he was going to be taken away captive by the Babylonians. Now, we don't have time to look at the detail of that now, but I want you to read verse 25 of Ezekiel 21, where it says, And now profane wicked prince of Israel, speaking of Zedekiah, whose days come when iniquity shall have an end, just as the Lord God, remove the diadem, take off the crown. This shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low, abase him that is high. I will overturn, overturn, overtone it, and it shall be no more until he come whose right it is, and I will give it to him. So the nation of Israel would be overturned, and we've thought about some of the things and the difficulties that they've had to endure over, um, over their history. And the kingship would be given to him whose right it is. And it would be given to God, uh, be given by God. So whose right is it to be the prince, the king of Israel? Well, is it this man? Is it Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel? Well, if you've been following your newspapers, you'll know that his rulership is a, a very fragile one. He's hanging on by a thread to a coalition uh, government. Uh, his opponents accuse him of wrongdoing. In fact, uh, perhaps rather cruelly, he's been dubbed the crime uh, minister. So is this the one that this prophecy is talking about? Well, 
the answer to that I would strongly suggest is is no. To have the answer to the question as to whose right it is to take the kingship of Israel, we need to go to the New Testament and we need to go to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you'll remember in Luke chapter one that the angel Gabriel came to Mary to tell her that she was going to have a son. And Gabriel said some words that were incredibly significant. She said to Mary, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. And I remember that it was to David and his seed that one to whom God would be his father. And here we have the answer to that to that puzzle. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, whose father was God and whose mother was Mary. And so it's to Jesus that is promised the throne of his father, David, that Jesus would be the one to fulfill all those promises that were given to David and also the promises that were given to Abraham before him. And so to Jesus is promised a kingdom that will be everlasting, that will have no end. And the Bible makes it very clear that Jesus returned to this earth to set up God's kingdom on the earth. And that kingdom will be centred on Jerusalem. It will be centred on the capital city of Israel, the place where God would choose. There's a prophecy in Jeremiah that says that at that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord and all the nations shall be gathered unto it. And a throne needs a king and the king that will sit upon that throne is the one that was promised. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so from Jerusalem, Jesus will set up the kingdom that will encompass the whole earth. So what will this kingdom be like? Well, I perhaps should have told you to um, keep a marker here, but let's go back to that prophecy in Micah. And you remember the one that we looked at that said that Zion would be ploughed as a field in Micah chapter 3 and verse 12. Well, if we keep on reading into Micah chapter 4, it says something quite remarkable. It says, but in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established on the top of the mountains. It shall be exalted above the hills. People shall flow into it and many nations shall come and say, come up and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. The Lord shall go forth of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So having prophesied of Zion's destruction, now we have the rebuilding of Zion through the Lord Jesus Christ and, and God's temple being established in this place when Jesus returns and, and God's words, his law going forth from Jerusalem and this is going to have a great effect on the peoples of the earth verse 3 and he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off they shall beat their swords into plowshares their spears into pruning hooks nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore some beautiful verses there which speak of peace which speak of the provision of food for the whole 
world. And so there's going to be many benefits that will become apparent to this whole world when Jesus returns to set up God's kingdom. But what about God's people, the Jews? What about Abraham's seed? At the moment, we said that they haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when Jesus returns, the Bible tells us that they will accept the Lord Jesus Christ. The prophet Zechariah says, and I'll pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. They shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And so when Jesus returns, the Jews that have rejected Jesus and that when Jesus was here in his first ministry, that they caused Jesus to be crucified. They'll realise what they've done and that they will mourn for him. And that will happen when Jesus is established on David's throne forever. So finally, the Jews will accept the Lord Jesus and they will be faithful to God. Well, in conclusion, you might think, well, all that we've said so far is is all very interesting, but what's that got to do with, with you or even what that's got to do with me? Because like uh, me, you're probably not a Jew. Uh, you're probably uh, a, a Gentile. And so you might say, well, what place has all this got um, for me? To conclude, I'd like us to go, please, to the book of Galatians, the letter to the Galatians and the third chapter. So it was the, the Apostle Paul, when he was in prison in Rome, towards the end of his life, he said that for the hope of Israel, I am bound in these chains. And the hope of the world is bound up in what God has promised to Israel. It's bound up in what God promised to Abraham way back in Genesis. Remember that God said to Abraham and to his seed that all nations of the earth would be blessed? Well, that blessing includes you and I. So how are we linked to these blessings? Well, this is explained to us in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26, where it says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, for as many of you as been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promises. So we've seen some amazing prophecies fulfilled concerning Israel and concerning God's people. And this gives us confidence that the promises that are yet to be fulfilled will be fulfilled. You remember that Abraham believed in what God said would happen, that he had faith. And you'll see from these verses that God has invited us to have that same faith, that we too can be the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. If we believe that Jesus will return to set up God's kingdom, and if we accept the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and if we're baptised into his name, then we too can be as Abraham's seed through faith according 
to him. And what a wonderful promise that this is, that we can be part of this amazing kingdom to come, centered in Jerusalem with Jesus reigning as king. And if you want to find out more about that, the answers are all here in God's word, the Bible. So thank you very much for listening.